This is a podcast of the Church at Indian Lake. When we begin to focus on the things God cares about, and we begin to have that worldwide vision, then God stirs us for the people we live among. And we see that we are missionaries and we have influence over the people around us. Well, today I want to talk to you about a passage in John chapter 6. When Jesus fed the 5,000 with just a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. And I believe that God wants to open your eyes to a miracle in your life in the financial realm. I believe that. I want to give you just a little bit of context, and I want to tell you about my reluctance to do that. You know that throughout my ministry, I believe God has called me, and and the 4.6 experience, I thought I already dismissed you guys. You guys are dismissed fourth through sixth grade, are dismissed into the lobby fourth through sixth grade. You know, I believe that when you're speaking the word of the Lord, that you have to speak to people's needs, and you have to speak... And a lot of times it's not only just an encouraging word, but it can be a rebuking word. And one of the things that has gripped our culture is materialism. And so much of the preaching that occurs appeals to our greed. It really does. That we want more money, we want more stuff, and so we like to hear preaching that makes us feel good about accumulating more. I've always been called, I believe, to speak for a contrary a word that is a word from the Lord that says, you know, our attention should be on putting our treasure in heaven, not here on earth. Now the context has changed a little bit. And I want to talk to you today about, I believe, what is an access to a financial miracle in your life. And I believe that when we are broken, and when we are really broken, and we are really in need that is when we are candidates for a miracle. You, you know that when we just want to spend money on our earthly desires, you know, there's just something about that that just taints our faith in, in a lot of ways. But when we come to a place of brokenness, and when we come to a place of where we really need a need, where we really have a need in our life, then it opens our eyes to the miraculous. And I know this. I believe I'm not a doomsday person. I believe that our economy can rise again. I believe that as just a people, this is not a word from the Lord. This is just my opinion on this. That 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 eventually, I don't know when. That that as a nation, we are gonna we are a generous nation that sows seed all over the world, and that God's gonna teach us maybe some wisdom and constraint. And that uh, I don't believe we're any entering into a permanent depression or recession. I I truly believe that this is a cycle that God's going to bring us as a people back to a place of prosperity that's quite possible. Now the question is, when that happens, are you going to be ready when God has you in a position of prosperity again? Because you learn wisdom during opportunities like this. Now here's here's just a word picture I see in my mind. I am going to guess many in this room, and we're not, we're not going to take a poll or show hands, live somewhat from paycheck to paycheck. And you know how that is. If your paycheck is on the 15th or your paycheck is on the 31st, and you're seeing the days wind down, 
and you're seeing your checkbook dwindle at a more rapid pace than that. And you get to those last few days before the next paycheck, and you begin to manage in your mind, you know, I need to cut that here, I need to save this bill, maybe I could pay that bill later. And we kind of do this managing type thing to get us to the next paycheck. There is, I believe, that those times, have you ever just had those times where God just somehow just made the money stretch? You don't know how you got to those last few days. You don't know exactly. You, you, you put your, your paycheck in and you see how long it's going to be until you get paid again. And, and just God just kind of stretches that out. I believe that we need to look to him for a stretching miracle in our finances. I believe that God wants to take what you have and it's his will that all of us as a church, I believe it's his will as individuals, for all of us to have some money left over when our next paycheck comes. Now, I'm not just saying this just to make you feel good or to give you false hope or, or to give you some kind of uh, um, temporary psychological boost. I want us to look at passage today and see how God can miraculously, miraculously stretch our finances. And the story of the fish and loaves, we're going to look at John chapter 6, but it is actually in all four of the Gospels. And besides the resurrection, it's the only miracle that is in all four Gospels. This miracle was significant to the people. It was significant because it was like a reenactment of Numbers chapter 11. If you go look at that again, the people in the Hebrew mind, the Jewish people were looking for another Moses. And Moses had fed quail to the people in Numbers 11. And in fact, in the Numbers 11:26, he asked the questions that the disciples asked too, where he said, how am I going to feed all these people meat? And that question was in the, that question in, uh, Hebrew folklore uh, and folklore as they passed that down was very uh, preeminent in their mind. And so this was a reenactment almost. It's like Jesus reenacted what Moses did. And that miracle is so significant. It's in all the Gospels. And at the end of John chapter 6, we won't look at that today, he said, I am the bread of life. Let's quickly read the story. It says, sometime after this, meaning several months later, this is chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed for the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. And the Jewish Passover feast was near. And when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He He asked this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. As often we know, Jesus stays in control. How many know that Jesus stays in control? We don't know that he's in control. And we don't. We wonder, Jesus, does he understand how the story is going? But he is under, under control, and many times he will test us. Verse 7, And Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus asked, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place. And the men sat down, about 5,000 of them, which means that there were probably fifteen to 20,000 people. 
It was just 5,000 men, not counting their children and their families. Verse 11, Jesus' men took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed, distributed to, the, to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Can you all pray for me? I'm having like a verbal issues today. You know, just God wants to humble me today, so here we go. He did the same for the fish in verse 12. And when they had all, when they had all, thank you. You want to come up and read this, Beth? When they, there is a word from the Lord. We just got to get through the scripture. When they had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the piece, pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. The background, this was in Galilee, and you need to understand that Galilee was a poor community. These were common people. These were uh, really farmers who were overtaxed by the Roman government. And if anyone was living paycheck to paycheck or crop to crop or just getting by, these people were. But the thing that strikes me is that they wanted a spiritual miracle in their life. They walked several miles to get to Jesus. They walked several miles to get the Word. Even though these people were poor in the eyes of the world, they were rich in the sense that they knew where truth was. They were looking to Jesus. And we find that in Mark chapter 6, verse 34, another account of this. It says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And he goes on and he feeds them after he teaches them. And here's the first observation I want to make to you about the story and about your life. The reason Jesus wants to do a financial miracle in your life, the reason he wants to stretch your paycheck, the reason he wants to stretch your resources is because Jesus cares about our physical and our financial needs. Write it down if you're taking notes. Jesus cares about our physical and financial needs. Mark 6.34 says he had compassion. Compassion is an important word. It's one of the reasons we chose to use the word compassion ministries for the, the outreach ministries that Pastor Tim leads. Compassion means this. It's empathy. Empathy means you feel sorry for someone or you try to feel their pain. Compassion is empathy that causes you to do something about it. That's what that is. And when Jesus saw the crowd and he saw that here it was, these people hungry for him, hungry for his presence, he had compassion. He had empathy that caused him to want to minister to them and want to do something about it. God cared not only about their spiritual need, but their physical need too. As the day went on, they got hungry and it was an impossible situation. They were far from any food source. There were way too many people. There was no way they could be fed. What was the issue? The issue was they were physically hungry. Now, one of the things I've said many times in my preaching, and I still believe this statement, is, is this. God cares more about your character than he does your comfort. I believe that. God cares more about your character than he does your comfort. But here's the truth. He still cares about your comfort. It doesn't mean he totally disregards it. It doesn't mean that he totally ignores that. God cares about your physical needs. God cares about your financial situation. God cares about your job situation. God cares about the kind of clothes you wear, making sure that you're clothed and that you're fed. Your physical needs, God cares. He just wants us to care more about him than those things. 
He wants us to trust Him for our physical needs. He wants us to trust that He is going to provide, that He is going to feed us, He is going to clothe us, He is going to provide for us financially. Many of us, we have made God our adversary, we made God our enemy, and we don't realize that He cares more about our financial needs than we care about. He does. He cares about your situation. He has compassion for you. He cares about your physical need. It would have been easy for him you know, to just have used human logic and said, well, the people should have been better prepared. The people should have been more organized. The people should have, everyone should have been like the boy and packed the barley bread and the fishes. Let them figure it out on themselves. But he had compassion on the people. He cares about them. And I just want to say this, is that God cares about the people in the Afghan-Pakistan border. You understand that? Because we can be really indifferent to them. We could be like, cool, man, did you hear we bombed that mountain? Yahoo! Now, obviously, military action may or may not be necessary. I'll let you make that judgment. But the fact is, we should care about the lives of those people. We shouldn't be indifferent. God cares about the medical condition in Cambodia where people are not being provided for. That's why we're going to send Emily there and use her nursing skills to help teach people. God cares about Serbia. There's teenagers in Serbia that have no discipleship. They've had no training. That's why we're going to send Daniel Robertson later there this summer. God cares about the cycles of poverty in Sumner County. He cares about the projects in Gallatin. He cares about the areas where there's cycles of poverty that can't be broken. And that's why we believe in what the Shalom Zone is doing. A little beacon of light in our community. God cares about the things we're indifferent to. He has compassion He cares about that. But can I tell you, not only does he care about those big things, he cares about the little details of your life. He does. One time uh, uh, we heard a story, a preacher was telling a story about someone who prayed over what car color they were going to buy for their vehicle. And I remember telling Beth the story because these ministers were talking about, that's just ridiculous. And and that's just kind of stupid. They were kind of arrogant about it. And this is when Beth and I were first dating, and, I, and we were discussing this issue. And she, Beth said something very wise that has stuck with me. She, I, I asked her a question. I said, do you believe God cares about what color of car we drive? And she said, well, here's the problem. When you begin to exclude God on certain details of your life, then you'll exclude him from the bigger details of your life. Now, that particular story, this man picked a color car that was different from the one he preferred. The Holy Spirit led him to a different color car, and that car ended up lasting him like 200,000 miles, something of that nature. So here's the thing. The little details of our life. You understand God cares? I just want you to know that today. There's huge problems in this world. We're bringing up these huge problems to you. But God is big enough to care about these massive, unreached people groups who still care about you. And I want to just ask you and invite you to re-engage with God. I mean, pray over your cause. If your kid needs a clothing item, pray for it. Why not? Why not? That's an intimate type of relationship with God. There are details to your life that only God can intervene in, and that's going to be so personal and intimate that God's going to be glorified in a huge way in your life. I believe he can do that. God had compassion on these people. Why? Because they were hungry. It wasn't like they had not eaten in days or weeks or months. They were just 
temporarily hungry, and yet, out of his compassion, he cared for that need. Jesus did this. Write this down. Number two, he works with our available resources. Jesus works with our available resources. Isn't it easy to play the what-if game? What if I had a better job? What if I would have got that promotion? What if I would have gotten more education? What if I would have lived in a different time? What if I didn't have so many kids? What if, what if, what if? When we begin to say what if, we limit what God has designed for us. Can I tell you that if God's your provider, if God can get involved in the details of your life, and if God can make your paycheck stretch, and I believe he can, he can do that with the resources you have right now. He can do that. You know, God can move with the job you have now. God can move and he can cause miracles to happen. The problem, God's not waiting on anything but our faith. God can move. It is time for us to re-engage with God and to allow the miraculous work of his provision to come back to our lives. Could it be that Jesus is testing us just like he tested Philip and Andrew? and said, you have depended upon your own understanding and your own resources. Now I have positioned you to where you have to trust in me. Now the interesting thing about what God used, he used barley bread. Barley bread was different from most of the bread that's talked about in the Scripture. Most of the bread talked about in Scripture is wheat bread. Barley bread would trade for about a third or a fourth of the price. It was considered bread for the poor. And there's a couple of things in this. And, and the first point I want to make about this bread, barley bread, I just kind of want to float it out there. I just want to float this out there. Could it be that sometimes God provides for us and he chooses to provide for us in a way that we wouldn't prefer? Can, can we just let that float out there? You know, Maybe it's God's will that we do downsize houses or cars. We do change in spending habits. And he says, you know what? This barley bread with my presence on it is better than the wheat bread. So that's just something to think about. The other thing is this, is that here it was, this one boy brought bread that was the, that was supposed to be for the poor. And the fish that he brought was probably dried fish. And this was a poor person's meal. Yet God took this little lunch, this little meal, and he stretched it. And he made it multiply. And it fed up to fifteen to 20,000 people. I love that because so many times we limit God because we say, God, I don't have the right resources. God, I don't make enough money. God, I'm not qualified enough. But God says, I'm going to take what you have and I'm going to take the resources and I'm going to stretch it. I can stretch the bread. I can stretch the fish. I can stretch that paycheck. I can increase the value of that home because I care for you. I'm having compassion upon you. Do you believe that? Do you understand that? Do you hear his heart of why he wants to do that for us? Jesus, number three, he chose to move through a giver. (laughs) I love that. He chose to move through a giver. This insignificant teenage boy, he was probably a teenager, with his bread and with his fish, what would have happened if he would have hoarded it and kept it to himself? And said, I'm not making this available. I planned ahead. I was prepared. Why would I give this away? Yeah, because he was a giver. God multiplied that. 
and God used that. Now here's the part, and here's the part I want to close with, and Alan, you can make your way up. Jesus not only provides, yeah, how many of you know Jesus provides, but Jesus leaves us with leftovers. Look at verse 12 with me. When they had all had enough to eat, when they all had enough to eat, then, then they get the 12 baskets. When they had enough to eat, he said, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. Now, that phrase, let nothing be wasted, that's a significant phrase. That's a significant phrase because in Jewish culture, they would save all the leftover food. In fact, anything that was about the size of an olive oil, they, uh, an olive, excuse me, they would take that and they would gather. And you know what they would do with the food? They would give it to the poor. They would let the poor have the leftover. I think about Ruth, who Ruth encountered Boaz, a type of Christ. In Ruth 2.14, it says at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here. Have some bread and dip it in the wine and vinegar. And when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. Now, here it is. I want us to go back to the beginning of the story. And I want us to think about these people who were desperate. They walked miles Why? Because they wanted to hear the word of God. They wanted spiritual growth. They wanted spiritual truth in their life. Now I want to make the connection point to you guys. Listen, you don't want to miss this. You don't want to miss this. I believe God is speaking something today through this ineloquent servant today. And this is what he's speaking. That when you begin to pursue Jesus in your life, when you begin to make extra effort, when you have disregard maybe for your own self-interest and your own satisfaction, but you make the extra effort to hear his word and to get into his presence, that he is going to take what you have. He is going to stretch it. He's going to take what you give and he's going to stretch it. And you will eat and you will have money left over. This has been a Church in Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.